You've tuned in to Naturopathic Earth Radio and Holistic Health News, where you get the latest on medical cover-ups, government malfeasance, toxins being put in our food and home, as well as sound, clean eating principles. We are here to cast a light on what the big sick care industry and its government shills don't want you to know. Don't be a slave to Big Pharma. Break free of the shackles of big food and start your journey now on a long, purposeful life. Become a citizen of Naturopathic Earth. Here's your host, A. Gregory Luna. Hello, everybody. This is A. Gregory Luna. Of course, you can call me Gregory. Welcome back to another episode of MP Radio and Holistic Health News and in Confessions of an Obese Child. We are doing one of those rare joint episodes that I do here and there, but not too, too often when I feel that there is a topic that overlaps both podcast streams. I think the last one I did were the 17 medications that may make you fat. And a previous one of that was the episode on childhood trauma being linked to obesity. So before we begin talking about how much people don't want to be fat and what they're willing to theoretically give up not to be fat... Of course, the website is Naturopathic Earth. Go check out all the recipes and articles and essential oil recipes and pretty pictures. And there you can listen to all the Kate's Essential Oil Apothecary episodes, all the Confessions of an Obese Child episodes, and all the Holistic Health News episodes. Because I know some of you might not have Stitcher or SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, and you only have a computer. So this is a way for you to listen to these things. Please, I would suggest that you go peruse and possibly purchase Confessions of an Obese Child, my book, my ebook, my memoirs. It is a lofty 200 something pages, but again, this is Kindle formatted, so it's not like War and Peace by Tolstoy. Okay, it's a quick read. It's served up as vignettes, similar to the early episodes of Confessions of an Obese Child, the podcast. The first 20 episodes are vignettes or experiences that happened to my life. So I have a little vignette on uh, when I was a competitive eater, when I used to challenge people to food contests at, at, at a all-you-can-eat pizza buffet. I have one on the swimming pool, the gym locker room, uh, gym class, the uh, amusement park, summer camp, and so forth. It's a nice quick read and kind of gives you a glimpse for some of you who perhaps were not overweight as a child, what it was like to grow up surrounded by sadists, because apparently I was surrounded by sadists back in the 80s and all the horrible things they did to me. And then later, as you guys know, especially if you know, if you listen to the Confessions podcast stream, how that bullying and how that disordered eating that I developed as a child created the adult that I am today, because I lost my weight when I was around 18, 17, 18. But you just don't wake up one day and like, oh... I'm a normal weight. Hey, and you just throw off all those coping mechanisms that you developed as a fat kid uh, that doesn't go away. Neither does the disordered eating. You still have disordered eating. And for those of you who listen to Confessions, the podcast, you know the episodes from like 20 to 35 are all about the, my, my adulthood and the weird, disordered, binge-purging issues that I had throughout my 20s. I talk about how... My eating affected my relationships with the opposite sex. I talk about how 
my eating sabotaged, or I should say allowed it to sabotage my my choices and my professional career because I was lacking self-esteem and I was lacking the 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 ability to think that I was still not a fat kid in a normal person's body. I've dealt with survivor guilt. I've dealt with the orthorexia issues. I've dealt with how I don't taste food really anymore and a bunch of these other topics. So go back, especially if you guys are new to Holistic Health News because I know I've gotten a lot of new listeners. Uh, go back, go to the episodes of Confessions of an Obese Child and review those because a lot of those you might actually find interesting even though you don't might you might not have a history of being an overweight child. You might have an overweight child or you might have a history of addiction to shopping or to drinking or to sex or to online gambling. And a lot of the topics that we cover in Obese Child are interchangeable. You just take out the word... Uh, food addiction or disordered eating and just put in disordered shopping. And a lot of the, the, the things that we talk about translate very well to what you're going through. Also, please donate some money to our Patreon account, which keeps the podcast going. There's a link on the episode notes at this page and on the homepage of Naturopathic Earth. Just click on it and donate some money. We would appreciate it. Like $1 means nothing to you. But if you donate a dollar a month for the entire year, that helps pay for my podcast hosting for almost half the amount for podcast hosting. So we would appreciate that. Speaking of the website, Naturopathic Earth, if you go to it recently, I changed the pod art on the top. I've kind of revised the the website. I got some of Kate's input. Kate's the co-creator of the website, if you don't know. And uh, it looks really nice. If you look at the top, there's a picture of the before and after me. If you want to know what I look like, there's a picture of me when I was about 14. That's like the only remaining picture of me when I was fat. I literally have no other ones because, as you guys know, fat people, we don't like to have pictures taken of us. And, uh, you know, there might be a, a picture of my face on the yearbook of the high school I went to, but that's pretty much it. That's the only picture. So on, on the left side, it has the, my, the picture of me with my parents. And then on the right side, it's kind of the before and after. And there's a picture of me lifting some weights, a lot of weights at the gym, you know, showing all manly, manly stuff. And then there's a picture of my, of the ebook of the tablet, you know, where it says read confessions of an obese child. So go check out the website because uh, I, I've really upgraded. I try to make it as pretty as I can with my low tech knowledge and so forth. So definitely go check that out. Okay, so let's talk about what people are willing to do not to be fat and how much they're willing to sacrifice. And this is astonishing. Okay, so one of the things that I do is... I am a high school teacher, I think most of you know that, who listen to this podcast stream. And I have what I call quick writes, which are when the kids walk into my class, there's a question on the board that they need to write on at least four sentences while I'm doing attendance and doing other things just to, we always want to improve their speaking skills and their writing skills. So they're doing that. And one time I, I did put this question and I mentioned this article just to see how my students would respond to it. Because most of my students, about 79.4% of them are female. I get a lot of female because I teach the medical classes. And I think there's just more women, more girls who are interested in becoming future nurses and doctors. And actually, this is reflected out in, in general. We always think that girls are 
disenfranchised and disadvantaged uh, when it comes to education. But if you look at the stats, it's quite daunting. It's like 65% of all the graduate degrees are female. Now it's something like 55 to 60% of undergraduate degrees are getting are, are earned by females. Same for law degrees, medical degrees. The women are outpacing the men. And I know just in my classes, the women outperform the men. The, the boys are falling behind, and it's, it's quite scary. But we're going to go to a Yale study. And I'm, I don't remember where I heard this because this study came out over 10 years ago. And this, this is from 2006. And so I imagine if they redid this study, and as far as I know, they have not redone this study, now with the advent and full immersion of social media, these numbers would be much, much higher. Now, I have a holistic health news episode on how Instagram and is, is rated the worst app for you to ever use, especially if you're a teenage girl. And I have another episode on, and that's about episode 130. And I have another one about how social media is leading to eating disorders. But if you listen to those episodes, in short, the more time you spend on social media, Facebook, but really mostly Instagram, Snapchat, you have a much, much higher rate of having body dysmorphia. So looking at looking at your body and it looks different and typically more negative than it really is. And you have a higher rate of eating disorders, higher rate of wanting to get plastic surgery, higher rate of depression and anxiety. And so these numbers I'm going to quote you, I imagine are going to be much higher because back in 2006, we didn't even have smart devices. If I remember correctly, the first smart device came out in 2007. So with, 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 with stuff like Instagram and all the pro-ano websites that you can find, uh, I, I imagine this is worse. Okay, but here, this, is, this actually comes from the veritable August institution that we call Yale. Nearly half of the people responding to an online survey about obesity said they would give up a year of their life rather than be fat, according to a study by the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale. But it gets worse. Like one year, okay, one year is not that bad. The 4,000 respondents in varying numbers between 15 and 30% also said they'd rather walk away from their marriage, give up the possibility of having children, be depressed, or become alcoholic than rather be obese. Okay? So close to 30%, one in three women would rather, and, and the study actually said was what not walk away from the marriage was, was have a divorce. Okay. So one in three women would rather have a bad, broken marriage than, than be fat. Uh, uh, a third of women would rather be infertile and never have children than be fat. A third would rather be chronically depressed than be fat. And a third rather be alcoholics than be fat. That is mind-blowing, mind-blowing, like discombobulated. I'm like, and it gets even worse. 10% would ra- that rather say they'd lose a limb. They'd rather lose an arm than be fat. And around 10% said they'd rather be blind than be fat. Marlene Schwartz, the co-editor, of this study said, quote, we were surprised by the sheer number of people who reported they'd be willing to make major sacrifices to avoid being obese. It drives home the message that weight bias is powerful and pervasive. Yeah, it also reveals other things, which I'll mention in a second. 
In addition to these comments, the study assessed implicit and explicit or unconscious and conscious and negative attitudes about obesity. Of those that who've responded, 3% were underweight, 41% were normal weight, 21% were overweight, which means 20% above their BMI, so about 10, 15 pounds overweight. 21% were obese, more than 20% over their BMI, and 14% were extremely obese. So the majority of these women, 40, about 50%, were regular weight or under regular weight. And then the other 50% were overweight. So that kind of gives you an idea. So the into the mindset. So half of these women were regular weight. And so that's how much they're afraid of becoming overweight is that they're willing to have their arm chipped off, be an alcoholic, be depressed, and all the things that I had just mentioned. And then the other 50% were already overweight, and they hate being overweight, and they would be willing to sacrifice 10 years of their life, be blind, alcoholic, depressed, and fertile, and be normal, be, be, an over, be a regular weight person than to maintain and continue being overweight. It's astonishing. Implicit attitudes were measured with a timed word categorization task that measured how quickly the respondents associated words like bad and lazy with fat people compared with thin people. Explicit weight bias was assessed by asking people to rate their preference for thin and fat people and the degree to which they believe that fat people are lazier than thin people. Here's another quote from the author here. The fact that even obese individuals exhibited a significant Implicit anti-fat bias is important because it suggests that they have internalized negative stereotypes, such as believing they are lazy, said Schwartz. Based on research about the importance of believing in your ability to succeed at difficult tasks, we predict that internalizing weight bias contributes to feelings of desperation, shame, and withdrawal rather than motivates healthy behavioral changes. Okay, so look, I mean, when you're overweight, you self-loathe quite a bit, right? I'm a horrible piece of crap. I eat all the time. I turn to food to numb the pain. And then you eat the food and then you feel even worse. So it's not too surprising that they're internalizing all these negative stereotypes and they believe that they're fat and lazy and useless because that's how I felt. And I can't extrapolate how I felt to every human that's overweight or been overweight, but I'm assuming that a lot of them feel the same way about themselves. So it's not too surprising that they, when they play this word categorization game, that people would use the adjectives bad and lazy when it came to fat people. And I've also seen studies that show that there's definitely an anti-fat bias for sure. That, and this is also related to height. So when, when an overweight person walks into a room and gives a presentation, we are wired to think that they're incompetent as opposed to a regular weight person. Now you're like, whoa, 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 Gregory, that's not fair. But like, I'm just quoting the studies. Also, the studies also show that, that, that tall people, for example, tall people, they call this, this condition uh, heightism. Tall people are given a lot more benefit of a doubt when it comes to their competence and skill levels as opposed to a short person. So when a very tall woman or man walks in, especially if they're regular weight, people automatically give them the benefit of the doubt that they're smart and competent, as opposed to, let's say, a short five foot two guy comes in. We automatically think they're incompetent just based on, on their height and their weight. Even That's not even including appearance and dress, but just based on that. Also, tall people are known to be paid better. They tend to, quote, marry better. I guess that means that finding a higher status mate than short people. So 
when when they when they did the study, and I'm not really quoting it here, but I remember reading it that that we judge fat people as being incompetent. Of course, it's completely unfair, right? Because there's a lot of overweight people that are more competent than regular weight people. But it's unfortunate that we are wired in this anti-fat bias to think that way. All right, let's take a quick break. Okay, so I want to mention some things that that Schwartz brings up here that that to me are a little a little controversial, at least on my take. Children are constantly given the message, "You're fat because you're lazy," says Schwartz, and you're not trying hard enough. Close quote. That child is going to internalize that message, and once somebody believes that about themselves, it's going to get harder rather than easier for them to do the hard work that it takes to really fight obesity and be healthy. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're fat because you're lazy, right? So, I mean, everybody who's overweight internalizes this, right? I just mentioned this. We all just self-loathe, self-loathe, self-loathe. And it takes, it's so hard to get out of that. that get, you get mired in that. It's so hard to get out of that to be like, yes, I hate myself for being fat, but I'm going to work my butt off to lose the weight because I think I need to lose the weight to live longer. And it's not that fat people out there really aren't trying. I think people do try, but it's extremely difficult to lose the weight and keep it off, you know, and, and I, I've been fortunate enough to keep it off for 25 years, but it's, it's, believe me, it's, I've had to go through a lot of obstacles to be able to do that. And so, Schwartz continues, part of the problem is that we view obesity as something that's under the person's control and we blame the individual for having the problem. But I think people overestimate how much control we have over our body's shape and weight. Therefore, when someone is fat, we immediately assume they don't care enough to lose the weight. They are to blame for being overweight, close quote. Okay, so here's my take on that. Now, this is this is this might not be a popular <laughs> popular opinion, but if you go to the episode I did on how the body positive movement is actually hurting overweight people, that's episode 38 of Confessions and episode 123 of Holistic Health News. I talk about how we're enabling bad behavior by putting these actresses and other people who are overweight as role models. And I talk about the hypocrisy of the body positive movement because you look at these actresses when they're overweight, let's say Kelly Clarkson, and she's like, I'm fat and proud and I'm okay with who I am and I'm comfortable in my skin. And then six months later, she loses 70 pounds and then she comes back and gets interviewed and says, oh, I'm in a much better place right now and I'm healthier and I'm glad I've lost the weight. It's just the total hypocrisy of it. Nobody wants to be overweight. Nobody wants to be overweight. Now, yes, are there genetic conditions or thyroid issues that would make us overweight? Yes. But as a whole, and you might not like this opinion, but as a whole, the majority of people who are overweight are overweight because they're not eating right, because they have disordered eating, and they're not taking care of themselves. And to put these people on a pedestal saying that it's, that it's okay to be fat and proud does them an injustice because in the long run, we know that obese people have a shorter life expectancy. They, they get diabetes, high rate of cancer, high rate of heart attacks, and all the other problems. So we don't want that. But at the same time, we don't want to be shaming them, right? Oh, you're fat. You're horrible. You're miserable. 
So it, it's a very, very fine line. It's an extremely fine line. But I, I think that ha- saying that it's not in the person's control is not helping people out in the long run because people will hear that, oh, it's not in my control and I'm just going to continue to eat crap and I'm going to continue to eat you know, whatever I want and gain weight and gain weight and gain weight when they know that deep down they don't want to do it anymore, that they're self-loathing. And that's what, what makes it even worse. And so it, it's, it's very difficult because... What made me lose my weight? I honestly don't remember. That was freaking 1991, you know. But I do remember that my parents had taken me to many dietitians and many health regiments and Weight Watchers and all these things. And Weight Watchers doesn't work. Go back, go to that episode on Holistic Health News where I talk about the, the Weight Watchers model is set up for you to get, regain the weight and they know that. And the CEO came out and admitted that. That's around episode 110. But I wasn't ready to do it. And finally, I had an epiphany where I was ready to do it and I lost the weight and I kept working on it to lose the weight. But it's just, it's very difficult to just kind of say that it's out of your control. It's not out of your control. We control what we put in our mouth. Now, there are certainly factors like early childhood trauma and self-loathing and food addiction or abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, all these things that might make us turn to food to numb the pain. But ultimately, nobody is holding us down and shoving cake in our mouth. We are putting it in our own mouth. We are shooting ourselves in the foot by doing it. So I don't like the idea of taking the blame completely out of the hands of the obese person because we are putting the food in our mouth. Now, I do have early episodes about seven ways you can mitigate the binge eating demon. In other words, like things that you can do right before you know you're going to binge eat to maybe stymie that impulse, to thwart that impulse. And and one of them is stepping back and just saying, like, why am I doing this? Why am I rushing through the drive-thru? Why am I all jittering? I used to do all these things. You know, why am I running into the grocery store and buying a humongous sheet cake and, and a half a gallon of ice cream and you know two boxes of Little Debbie's and then you're waiting impatiently impatiently in the in the in the checkout counter and you're even like opening up the food and eating it while you're waiting to buy the food. Um, you know why are you doing step back? Why are you doing this journal? All these things that you can do that that will help. But I don't like the enabling of 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 experiences and actions and behaviors that would contribute you to continue your obesity because in the long run, you know it's not going to help you. Okay, so let's finish up. So... To me, this study is revelatory on one level and not too revelatory on another level. So just the numbers, the numbers behind it. So one in three women rather be infertile. So if I go back, 50% would rather lose a year of their life. And honestly, a year of your life. You know, and it, let, let, let me go through the stats and I'll give you my take. And it's probably not going to be too popular here, but oh well. So a third of the women would rather be infertile. A third of the women would rather be chronically depressed. A third of the women rather be alcoholics. A third of the women rather be divorced. And then even, even worse than this, 10%, 10% were willing to give up 10 years of their lives. 
10 years of their life. And then 10% would rather have an anorexic child than an obese child. And 10% said they'd rather have a learning disabled child than an obese child. And I do have that episode on the stocky son where I did about a year ago where I, I noticed that my, my son, who's almost eight now, he's seven, he's kind of stocky. And I talk about in that episode how I'm worried that he's going to be overweight. And so let me just go through these. Like, like, and I did this with my students as well. Like, like which of these would you be rather, would you be willing to, to take on than be overweight? And, and it, the women were, were, were astonishing. You know, some of them, they, they, they didn't agree on. But would I, give up, would I give up a year of my life to remain well, a normal weight? Yeah, probably. Uh, third, let's go to the other ones. Thirty percent. Would I give up uh, a third? Would I give? Would I rather be skinny and not have children? Yeah. Well, because I'm I already have four children, so I guess that's a kind of a moot point. <laughs> would I rather be uh, can maintain my way and be divorced? Well, I'm already divorced, so that's a moot point. But it, let's say I got remarried, and I had to choose between being remarried and happily married, but let's say forty pounds overweight or be divorced and be a regular weight? I don't know. I don't know. Let me punt on that one. Let's go to, let's go to depression. Would I rather be depressed in a regular weight or would I be, or would I rather be overweight and not depressed? I don't know. I guess how bad is the depression, right? Because I know, you know, we talk about on Holistic Health News of mild and moderate ways to, or way, natural, natural ways to biohack mild to moderate depression. And so if it's mild to moderate depression, I'll just use those biohacks. But uh, that's another one. That, that's another tough one. I mean, these, these are tough questions. Would I rather have an anorexic kid than an overweight kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I don't know. This is Honest Radio 101. Look, and would I rather have a learning disabled child than an overweight child? Probably not. I'd rather have an overweight child than a, than a learning disabled child. And, and the other one, going back to the, 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 the alcoholic, would I rather be an alcoholic who's regular weight or would I rather be an overweight person who doesn't have issues with drinking? Well, I have issues with eating, so I don't know if I want to compound that with issues with drinking as well. But, I mean, alcoholism destroys families. My father was an alcoholic. So I'd, on that one, I'd probably pick being overweight. But these are the type of kind of like metaphysical deep questions that you have to confront. I would ask you, ladies and gentlemen, to go through each of these things and see which of these would you be willing to do to maintain a healthy weight or if you're overweight to like how much would you be willing to sacrifice to maintain a healthy weight? And these are difficult questions to answer. They're very difficult. Would you be willing to give up 10 years of your life, 10 years of Seeing your grandkids, you know, the average life expectancy for a woman is 79 years old. So would you rather die at 69 and be healthy? I brought this up to my students and I'd say at least half said, yeah, they'd rather just die 10 years earlier because, you know, in their, in their kind of myopic, I'm 16 years old point of view, it's like, well, I'm 69, I'm old. 69 is old. So, you know, what, what's, six, what's the difference between 69 and 79, right? I'm old. 
But these are the type of questions that are kind of mind-blowing. And the reason why I'm saying yes to staying skinny but suffering from these maladies, and and even for my son to be uh, anorexic or any of my children to be anorexic over overweight, is I know the studies and I know from my personal experience, being obese shortens your life expectancy. Being obese makes you predisposed to getting all the the diseases I've talked about, cancer and heart disease and diabetes. Aside from having depression and even maybe having suicidal ideation like I had right before I lost my weight. So if I know that, why would I want to subject my my children to that? And also just the these kind of the socioeconomic or the socio the social stigmas of being overweight, growing up overweight. Go to the uh, the the episode on the opposite sex. Growing up overweight, I never thought I'd ever kiss a girl. I never thought I would ever have sex. I never thought that I would ever be married and have conjugal relations and all these things. So that's not to say that overweight people don't get married and so forth. But growing up, I thought that I would never get to experience those things because I was so repugnant, at least in my mind. I was so ugly and stinky and sweaty and I had rashes in my groin all through my teenage years when my mom had to sprinkle baby powder in my groin all through my teenage years. How embarrassing is that? And I had to experience wearing a bra and all these other things that you can go back and listen to those episodes. What the, the, the social stigma of it, that's another reason. It's like, would I, would I want to subject my child to having to be bullied and be made fun of and not being able to date and, and, and so forth? No, of course I, won't. I wouldn't want to subject my child to that. So yeah, probably I'd rather them be anorexic. But of course, anorexia has its own problems. Look at Karen Carpenter, the old singer from the Carpenters. And, and or the, anorexia is very difficult to recover from. And there are those extreme cases of anorexia where they're, they are super emaciated. Now, if it's, it's a question of being over super overweight or super, super emaciated, I'd probably choose overweight, over emaciated. But I just want to, I just, the the takeaway to this episode, aside from you guys thinking, oh, Gregory's such a D-bag, the takeaway is uh, Americans, we Americans are willing to do almost anything to maintain our weight. If you look at the amount of money, billions that we spend on gym memberships, the billions that we spend on bypass surgery, the billions that we spend on diet foods, diet plans, Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers food. Talk to most women. Most women have some sort of body dysmorphia or they have some sort of orthorexia or some sort of eating issue because they are petrified of gaining weight. Petrified. Just like after I lost my weight, go to the episode on college dysfunction. All through my post-weight loss years, I was petrified that I'd gain it back because I didn't want to go back to the hell that was being overweight. Now, being overweight nowadays in the 20 teens is different because I, I don't think, and I've mentioned this before, like at my own high school, I don't see overweight children, kids getting bullied as explicitly as it was when I was a child. And I think one of the reasons, there's two reasons. There's so many more overweight kids that... Uh, it's, it's not a big deal anymore. At least I think a third of the kids in my high school are overweight. And so it's not as big of a stigma. And the other one is all the bullying is cyber now. It's all cyber bullying on, on all the social media apps. And so I, th- I think it's a different world that overweight children have to go through. But, but when I was overweight and I lost the weight, it's like I didn't want to go back to that hell 
of being ignored by the opposite sex, of being snickered at, of having to not wear clothes that I want to wear, of the the loathing and self-shame. And so I was willing to do whatever it took. And I had extremely disordered eating through my 20s and most of my 30s where I would starve myself for a week and then binge on food for a whole weekend or binge in my car and hide it from my ex-wife and all these things, but, and then over-exercise and over-exercise and over-exercise because I didn't want to go back to that hell. And so I think this study echoes that sentiment of how either overweight people, because remember half of the, the participants were overweight, half of these people would do whatever it takes to go and have a regular weight, like be alcoholic and be infertile and be depressed and, and you know cut 10 years off their life. And then even the 50% that were regular weight, how they don't want to go through that hell and how they're willing to give up so many things uh, to, to avoid being obese. So I think this study just kind of reminds us what we all kind of know. We don't want to be overweight. And I think most of the people who don't want to be overweight, either because they're overweight or the regular way. It's not necessarily because of the medical reasons. I think it's more of the social stigma. And I could be wrong on that. I'd love your feedback on that. But I think it's more of the social stigma that's associated with being overweight. So the last thing I want to mention, guys, is look, I was honest on this episode, and you could call me a D-bag that I'd be willing to for my child to be you know, somewhat, somewhat anorexic than overweight. But I would challenge you, challenge you, my naturopathic earthlings, challenge you to look in the mirror and go through these things and see where you would fall. And look, if you are one of these people, because 50% said they wouldn't give up a year of their life and 66% said they wouldn't become an alcoholic or be depressed or become infertile, that is great. That means you have a pretty balanced view and that you're willing to be overweight to still have all these things in your life. But I, I, and I think that's great. I'm, I am there in most of those things, but I'm not there in all those things. So I would recommend all you listeners just go through these things and see where you would fall and be honest. And I'm not saying be honest because there's confirmation bias and I want you to be like, be, be like me, like the little devil on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, I felt this way. So you need to feel this way. I'm not saying that. I want you to be very authentic because the thing about obese child is I'm very authentic about my experiences, and I want you, too, to be authentic. What are you willing to give up to be regular weight? Are you willing to be infertile? Let's say you're 20 and you've never had kids. Okay, If you're 55, okay, it's a different count. Let's just go back in time. You're 20, and let's say you're 23 for all these. Are you willing to die 10 years younger? Are you willing to be infertile and never have children? Are you willing to be an inveterate alcoholic who destroys everybody's life? Are you willing to be chronically depressed where you're almost suicidal? Are you willing to have your arm cut off to be a regular way? Go through these and answer them honestly. Answer them honestly. And that was the point of this episode, guys. I'm not casting aspersions and attacking people who go one way or the other way. I just wanted to bring up this study because I think the study... It's shocking, but at the same time, it's kind of obvious that most people would feel this way. So look, I would love your feedback. You can find me as Albert Gregory on Facebook, or you can find me on Twitter at Health News Now. But find me on Facebook, shoot me a message, and tell me how you feel about this, because this is a very personal kind of reflection on myself, but it's also a personal reflection of you. I want you to look in the mirror and tell me how you would answer these questions, and then contact me. 
All right, guys. The last thing is always hit subscribe on Confessions of an Obese Child and on Holistic News, uh, Holistic Health News. And uh, please subscribe and post a review. I've, I've gotten an amazing amount of reviews for both episodes or both episode streams. But on Confessions, I've gotten a lot of reviews in the last uh, three weeks. I've gotten something like 40 reviews. So that's amazing. And it's great to finally see this feedback. So please, just because others have posted a review doesn't mean you shouldn't. Please post a review, an honest review. If you think I'm an insensitive D-bag, then mention that. But just post an honest review and contact me through Facebook and let me know what you think about these things. Until next time, guys, take care, God bless, and love yourself. Thank you for listening to NPE Radio and Holistic Health News. Visit our website at naturopathicearth.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Holistic News Now and at our Facebook page at Naturopathic Earth. Please consider a donation at patreon.com slash naturopathic earth. Buy the Confessions of an Obese Child ebook on Amazon or Barnes & Noble Nook. Consider subscribing to our podcast. And as always, please post an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this. And remember, the core belief at NPE. Let food be thy medicine. Let nature be thy healer. Until next time. Music courtesy of Nine Inch Nails.